If you would like to borrow a Bible this morning, would you please raise your hand and the ushers will bring you a Bible and you can just leave it in the pew when you're done. Something amazing has been happening within our church this past year. We have started something new called Ethos Communities. We get together, we pray, you know, typical things we do in small group, pray, fellowship, um, and encourage one another to be on mission. But what's different this year is that we're actually doing stuff, like together, on mission. It's amazing. that There, there are some groups that are interacting with ministering to refugees. Other groups are ministering to senior citizens. Others are gathering items for... Uh, the poor children, orphans, orphanages overseas. Some of you are gathering clothes in your groups for uh, kids who are in need locally, uh, financially helping those in need. Uh, one group served hundreds of families. Another group is supporting babies and single mothers. And you know what the best part of this is? We're not organizing this. It's you. This is not like the elders go, you know, we need to organize something. I think we should go help the poor here. You're doing it. These are your groups. You're doing a great job, a good job. And, and you're reaching out to those who don't know Christ. You're having a variety of hospitality events centered around parties and, and games and scavenger hunts and block parties and a, a variety of other ways. Good job. And we just want to invite you, those of you who are not in a group, to this, you know, I know this is the last semester here of the year. You know, jump in one. For those of you, you know, just jump in and just check them out and they're in your bulletin. Just like, well, just pick one and go and see what happens. And it, the people are going to love you and welcome you and, and bring you out on mission with them. So I just want to encourage you to check out an ethos community. Well, we are, believe it or not, still in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going through the book of Matthew. And all the issues raised so far in Matthew, I, I just want to tell you, a lot of them are familiar issues and temptations for me. And I, I, I just, I'm, this is not a boastful thing. I have been aware of sins in my life that have been addressed in the Sermon on the Mount, and I have obtained, by God's grace, some semblance of victory, knowledge, and insights over issues like um, of temptations of lust and, and worry. And, and though these temptations may come up for me and maybe for many of you, these temptations are familiar foes. You know what it's like to fight familiar sin in your life, right? Yeah? You're like, okay, that's my, my sin. I'm familiar with that. I understand that. That happened to me when I was 18, when I was 25. And you know familiar sin. But in your old adult life, or however old you are, in your old life, have you ever been confronted with, like, a new sin? Like, just a brand new sin something happened in your life, maybe you were aware of it, maybe you weren't, and you're like, that's a new sin. I didn't know that sin. That happened to me about two years ago. And I'm going to share a little bit of that about that story later, but it happened to me two years ago. Someone confronted me with a new sin. Now get this, it wasn't new in my life. It's just been there all along. But it was like, what, 37 years old when it was finally brought to my attention. And it was the sin of, you're not going to think it's a big deal, but it is a very big deal. It's the sin of judging others. 
of having a critical spirit, one of condemnation toward others. And it was brought to my attention. And since then, God has been giving me grace. He's been giving me the gospel of Jesus Christ and forgiveness. And I've been experiencing some freedom in this area. And what I'm afraid today is that I'm not going to explain it very well. I'm afraid that you're going to walk out today and you're not going to go, well, it has nothing to do with me. And and maybe it won't. But I I just pray by God's grace that God's word comes alive today. And you'll perhaps see for the first time something I saw two years ago for the first time. That there is a critical spirit in your life. And may God reveal it to you and show you his grace and forgiveness in the gospel of Jesus. So let's look at Matthew 7. That's where we're at. Matthew 7. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. And hey, let's stand and read it. Let's all stand. Matthew 7. I'm going to start with verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? (laughs) You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You may be seated. We, we just sung that song, Inside Out. We want to worship the Lord from this inside out. And what we've been talking about the whole time in the Sermon on the Mount is this inside out renovation. And it's this inside out renovation that produces this exceeding righteousness. It's not the religious righteousness of the Pharisees who are just going through the religious motions. It's a righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees. And as we went through chapter 5, we saw this heart renovation touched on issues of reconciliation where we have conflicting relationships on reconciliation. It dealt with issues of lust and purity in our hearts, uh, issues of faithfulness in marriage, uh, whether we're going to retaliate against someone else and loving our enemies. And then we moved into chapter 6 and we saw that this exceeding righteousness is also displayed in spiritual disciplines. We don't do spiritual disciplines such as prayer and and fasting not to draw the attention of others. It's because we actually love the Lord and we're not trying to show off. So an exceeding righteousness is authentic in our spiritual disciplines. And it's also sacrificial in our giving. We saw continually in chapter 6 about storing up treasures in heaven and and not on this earth because we've been changed from the inside out. Also, we've been changed from the inside up that we don't need to worry. We don't need to be full of anxiety. We're not God. God is God. We need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and just trust him with our lives. But now we move into chapter 7. And we're going to see this exceeding righteousness, this inside-out renovation of the heart is going to play out in the way we interact with one another and loving one another in non-condemning and non-critical ways. You see the temptation. As we go through chapter 5 and we start to get some semblance of victory over issues of lust and and anger, and we move into chapter 6 and we're starting to get some victory like, okay, I'm now giving money in the offering plate and I'm dealing with my anxiety and my worry, that you can kind of start to get arrogant. 
and you can look down at your brother or sister sitting next to you who does not have the same victory that you have in these certain areas, right? And you can start to feel, I don't know, superior to them. And that's where this judgment and this condemning spirit can come. So Jesus addresses it. He hits it straight on. Look at verse 1 of chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, perhaps this is the verse that is, boy, you know, for unbelievers who don't like Jesus and don't like the Bible, they love this verse. And I'm sure many Christians love this verse as well. We like to throw it around. Don't judge. Don't judge. Hey, stop judging. Hey, quit it. Don't judge. And this is not talking about this, uh, that we're supposed to not discern between what is right and wrong. And, And that understanding is a massive misinterpretation of the verse. It, it's not saying that if someone comes up to you and they say, you know, there is no hell and no one goes to hell or premarital sex isn't sin or if someone comes up and they, they hurt you or they do mean things to you or someone knocks on my door and starts cussing out my wife, I'm not supposed to not have an opinion. I'm not supposed to say, well, that's, there's, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to make any judgment. That's not what it's talking about. Of course, we're supposed to discern between right and wrong. What Jesus is talking about here is having this this judgmental and condemning spirit. It's where we set ourselves as godlike over someone else. And we get superior. And we look down on them. And we say, you know what? You're in the wrong. And if you don't change, you must be punished. I'm going to shun you. You know what? If you don't change, you must not even exist. There is this judgment, condemning, critical spirit that can come upon us. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And I don't know. Are there any, any, are there any self-righteous, critical, judgmental people in here? No, I see about two of you. Okay, all right. Okay, the, the rest of you can leave. The two of you stay. I'm going to share with you this one man. I'm just trying to cover a lot of bases here. But this one man, he, he, he said something about um, his judgments in his life. And so I'm just going to kind of read you a few. And if you find yourself here, then you can jump in any time, all right? This is, this is his personal judgments. I have judged my wife. We'll get to there in a, in a bit, more of that, okay? I have judged my wife for being fearful, obsessive, slow, and about 10 other things. I have judged computer programmers for writing software that is not user-friendly. I'm just reading. (laughs) Civil engineers for unclear road signs, other drivers for cheating when merging in construction zones, businessmen for being greedy and dishonest, and politicians for being corrupt. I have judged weak people for being burdens on society and strong people for being insensitive to weak people, conservatives for being fearfully closed-minded, and liberals for being irresponsibly open-minded. I have judged Christians for being lukewarm, hypocrites, and other Christians for being unrealistic fanatics. And I have judged the general public for being stupid, selfish, and short-sighted. That pretty much covers it, right? Did you find yourself in there at all? And I would say that this, this judgmental and critical condemning spirit is in the young, and it's also in the old. Someone put it like this. See, many of you young guys and girls, you're you're just starting to learn theology and you're starting to learn the Bible and you're starting to to figure out your opinions and your convictions. And once you start to nail those down, you start to 
go into certain camps. Have you noticed this? You're in a camp, right? And if someone's not in your camp, theological dot and I's and crossing teeth, then you're going you're gonna to just those, those people over there. And, you, and, you, and that's what happens when you're young. But when you're old, there can be other reasons why you can have this, this critical and judgmental uh, spirit. What, what you may notice when you get old is that people don't look to you as much as they used to. Like your former positions of power are starting to fade away. And maybe you notice you're not as productive as you used to be. And what can happen uh, is that you can become critical and you can become petty. So whether you are, are young and, or, or you're old, this critical, this condemning spirit c- can be in all of us. A- and the thing is, is that we know that nothing rips community apart like criticism, like a critical spirit. I mean, t- to take marriages, for example, for those of you who are married... person is, is, is much older than me, I was asking them questions about their childhood and their life growing up. And as they're telling me their story, I find this very rare for them in me, this compassion starting to well up in me for them. Like, I actually care for them. I'm so, I'm, I just feel so bad. I can understand more kind of on why they may do some of the things they do. And I found this switch happening in me from this detached, condemning spirit to more of this, this empathy. And that's why I'm like, whoa, 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 I'm not God. He's God. And think about, that's just what I know. God knows so much more. So I can let God be the one who judges and condemns and does all that. I don't have to do that. But it gives me more perspective. Like, okay, God knows everything. I don't. And not, not that I don't discern between what's right and wrong. Okay, that's right, that's wrong. But not with the condemning spirit. The second thing I want you to think about judging, this is amazing, this is amazing. Judging is legalistic. Whew, this is a good one. Judging is legalistic. Do you, do you even know what legalism is? Do you even know what it is? You know what legalism does? It bases acceptance upon performance. If you perform, I will accept you. If you do not perform the way I want you to perform, then I am going to condemn you. I'm going to look down upon you, and I'm going to try to hurt you. And that's what judging is. It's, it, it's, it's legalistic. And, and you're saying, well, how do you tell between what's right and wrong? Well, you can say, okay, that's right, that's wrong. That's fine to discern between what's right and wrong. But it crosses the line when you start getting critical and condemning and wish that the other person did not exist. So when someone wrongs you and someone hurts you, what are you going to bring into the relationship? Are you going to bring grace or that critical, judging, self-righteous spirit? People do things that are wrong, okay? You do things that are wrong. You're going to sin in your life. And people are going to sin against you. What does God bring into his relationship with you? Does he bring that condemnation? No, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What does he bring? He brings grace. What are you supposed to bring into relationships with those who hurt you? You're supposed to bring grace. But when you judge, you're condemning others. It's legalism. This third one has been the most eye-opening and the best one for me and the, probably the one that I've, I've held on to the longest. Number three, we often use judgment to protect ourselves from pain. If you can just get this one, just get this one. Understand what you're doing. Understand how you're functioning. 
We often use judgment to protect ourselves from pain. Someone hurts us, we want to hurt them back. You see, the deal is when someone hurts you, you feel hopeless and you feel powerless. And I want to tell you, you have two choices. When someone hurts you, you have two choices. So let me quote here. This has been very helpful for me. When somebody else's selfishness, hatred, greed, deceit is coming against you and you don't have the power to protect yourself or to rectify the situation, you have two choices. So when someone hurts you by their greed, by their immorality, by their foolishness, by their hatred, you are powerless and you you have two choices and here they are. Number one, I can stand in the clean pain, it is painful, of being harmed as a powerless victim. Yes, I am, I am powerless, I am helpless, and injustice has been done. But you know what? It hurts. It hurts so bad. Oh, it hurts so bad. But right now, I'm going to turn to the Lord. And I'm going to turn to the Lord and I'm going to say, Lord, help me to deal with this situation. Lord, come and heal me. That's a choice you have. Yes, you feel powerless. You feel hopeless. Yeah, I understand that. When someone, I understand that. But say, Lord, I'm going to turn to you. But here's your second choice. You can judge the person. And you can say, you're not going to make me feel like this. I don't want to feel like this. And so you're, go, you're going to try to get the upper hand. And you're going to say, I'm going to put myself over you. You can say, you know what? I might not be able to fix the situation, but I am better th- than you. And you put yourself as judge over them. And you know what you're trying to do? You're trying to regain power. You know what you're also trying to do? You're thinking that by your judgment, you're going to change that person. You're not going to change them. You're not going to change them by judging them and condemning them. That doesn't change people. That's, that's not bringing grace in. So you have two choices. You're powerless. You're hopeless. You've been, you've been hurt. You've been, you've been sinned against. You know what? Turn to the Lord. Say, God, help me. Rather than trying to exert your authority. And I've learned more and more as I've been thinking through my issue for the past two and a half years that's been there for much longer is that I cannot change myself. That's the most frustrating thing. You ever try not to have a critical and condemning judgmental spirit? It's like, I'm going to try real hard not to have it. And even if you don't say anything, it's still in there and you're still looking down on people like, I don't want that. So you know what? God's got to come in by the power of his Holy Spirit do a work on your life. And this brings me to the last point. This is where we're going to land. This is confess judgmentalism, renounce judgmentalism, and ask the Lord for a heart of repentance and for freedom to love. That's what we need, this broken heart of repentance where we started the whole sermon with. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. We need to repent of our sins of trying to play God. We need to repent of our sins of looking down on others. We need to repent of our sins of condemning others created in the image of God. And may God give us this heart of love for others. And God, it's like, I don't even want to move on from this sermon. It's like, can I just preach this, the same sermon for the next 16 weeks? It's like, I don't want to move on. I really, like, God, no, I don't want to leave. I want to stay right here. Lord, I'm not going to move to change me. I want to stay here. I don't want to go anywhere. God, do a work by your spirit in me. Lord, please, I hate this. 
This is not the way you act toward me, God. Why would I act this way toward others? And so we've got to cry out to him. This is where we're going next week for prayer. Ask, seek, knock. Ask him for these good gifts. And I think it's a good gift. Say, Lord, come on, change my heart. I can love other people. And so that's what we're going to do. We're about to go into communion. It's going to be a powerful time of remembering what the Lord Jesus has done in his death, his resurrection, his forgiveness of us through repentance and faith, but also his transformation of us by his grace. But before we do, I have a prayer. I have a prayer that I've been praying. It's a sample prayer that has helped me. But before we pray, I'm going to ask you, don't say it out loud unless you want to, but I want you to be aware of the person you are judging. I want you to name that person in your head, in your heart. You know who it is. I don't need to know. Be aware and name the person you're judging. The, the one you've not been extending grace to. The one your heart has been hard against. The one that you've been self-righteously condemning and maybe even hoping they didn't even exist. So I'm going to have this sample prayer that I want you to pray in your head, in your heart with me. And throughout the prayer, you will have an opportunity in your head and heart to insert that person's name. So let's go to the Lord right now in prayer. Lord, I confess this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness towards, name the person, as sin. I confess that I don't have the ability or the right to judge this other person. I ask your forgiveness for this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness. I renounce this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness. Right now, I am willing to forgive their sins against me. Tell the Lord that right now that you forgive that other person's sins against you. I acknowledge that I cannot change my own heart and mind. And Lord, we are crying out to you right now. I ask that you give me, give us true repentance. I ask you to give me your heart, your mind, your truth, and your compassion, humility, and forgiveness toward this other person regarding what they've done. Lord, I cannot free myself, but I'm willing to be free. Lord, enable us to, to cooperate with your desire to free us, we, we consent, we repent, we allow your work to take place in our lives right now. And Lord, I ask that during this communion time, during this prayer time, there would be just this freedom, 
there would just be this uh, a release of our sins of judging others, just falling away. We see them on the cross of Jesus. Jesus being con- bearing the wrath of the Father for my condemning spirits. Do a work in our lives today, collectively, individually. Lord, I just ask that you would stir us up by your Spirit and bring forgiveness and grace. And may we even today start to see this other person in a different way. People who need our grace and mercy and forgiveness as you've given it to us. Give us the Father's heart of compassion. Give us your heart of compassion for others as you've given it towards us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.